and to make sure that the big and underserved group of gender diverse teams is getting the attention and also the resources, especially the financial resources that they deserve. Welcome to Mission Capital, the Invest Austria podcast. We talk with private capital investors about growing and scaling innovative companies. My name is Laura and I'm happy to welcome Nina today. We will talk about the role of diversity in the startup ecosystem, the highlights of Invest Austria, and especially her newly announced VC fund. Hi, Nina. Nice to have you here. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Definitely. So thanks for having me, Laura. So I'm Nina Wuss. I'm on the one hand the chairwoman of AFCO, um, which is a longtime partner of AAA. And on the other hand, in my daily business, uh, I'm managing partner and co-founder of Fund F, which is a newly launched uh, venture capital fund investing in gender diverse startups in Europe. Yeah, congrats again to your first closing. Happy to hear more about that in a few minutes. We will start with our entry questions for today. One word about the tech ecosystem in Austria. Promising. One wish about the future of the CEE location. So the future of CEE could be very bright and very interesting, but I think this is only going to be the case if really um, the stakeholders in the region work together, collaborate and make sure that the companies that are being built here um, have an environment where they can be successful, where they can hire, where they can attract capital. And there has already been done a lot in the last years, decades maybe even. But um, to be sure that this is uh, growing and really also becoming more and more relevant um, as it deserves to be, all of us have to contribute to that. Definitely. And that's also main and the main part of Invest Austria, which we also focus on Austria and the CE location to explore that potential. And what's the most important learning from your journey? I mean, there are definitely a lot. For me as a person, the biggest learning was to really have a certain resilience built over the years and to really focus on the goals that are important to you in your business life, in your personal life, and constantly work towards them. And yes, it's very normal that there are a lot of um, failures, uh, lows, um, bad situations along the way um, that sometimes make you doubt if this is the right goal that you want to pursue. But if you want to change something, it's probably also only natural that it takes some time. So it's really about resilience and endurance for me. Yeah, I think you have empowered a lot of women with that saying, not just now, but also in the past years, which was your personal mission and also the mission of female founders to get more females in leadership position and also more females that found businesses. And now you reach the next steps and um, closing the funding gap. So I think we will start with going deeper into Fund F. What is it about and what were your first steps in creating a fund? Maybe you can tell us more about that. Yes, of course. Happy to do that. So with the fund, it was a very long journey because what we did first was really building a community um, of female entrepreneurs and female talent all over Europe. This is basically what my co-founder Lisa and me have been doing over six years, building a brand, building a community, and thereby really also getting to know our audience and our core target group, which is female entrepreneurs. And what we have seen, especially in the last 24 months, is that with this brand and with the skills that we are bringing to the table, we are in a unique position to working with these founders because we have their trust and we have been in their position ourselves. And with that, it was the logical next step to also get into, in, into the investor role ourselves again. 
And uh, we started raising the fund basically nine, 10 months ago in January uh, 2022 and succeeded in doing the first closing just recently in autumn and October and are still fundraising because we want to uh, reach a goal of 20 million euros um, for the fund and are now standing at 12 at the moment. Wow, that's really amazing, especially in the times where we are at the moment. Maybe um, can you tell us what's the general conditions right now when raising a fund? What were, were you experienced in the past months? What do you see coming for next year's? I think also a lot of our listeners are raising funds or are planning to raise their own funds. So if you could share your experience. Yes. So the experience was... I guess fundraising is never easy, right? So you have to be honest about that. And usually you really also know that when you start um, to plan the fundraise and who to talk to and, and when. Um, what we have seen is that with um, the network and the credibility that we have built, as it was the logical next step for us to do that, we had a lot of conversations where uh, people were very open and also potential limited partners or LPs for the fund were um, open and interested in talking to us. What we saw was that, yes, it takes uh, probably a little bit longer to convince people that the asset class um, VC is um, still relevant, maybe even more relevant than ever um, for them as investors. Um, so that's definitely a point that we touched a lot in our conversations. For us, um, as with Lisa and me, this was also a first-time team doing that. We had really to prove also ourselves as in our track record, how we approach the topic, if this concept that we brought to the table is really um, feasible um, and relevant um, in our space. Luckily, we also saw that we were able to convince very interesting and also very experienced LPs um, to join us in our mission and to make sure that the big and underserved group of gender diverse teams is getting the attention and also the um, resources, especially the financial resources that they deserve. I mean, overall with our fundraising experience. So obviously we were successful in doing the first closing, which was a great experience also for the two of us as the founders of the fund. But yes, looking forward in on the one hand, raising more money for our own fund, but also then now raising money for our portfolio in the future. We are very aware that uh, the times right now are more tough. And uh, the most important thing is probably to plan even more time. And that can be um, challenging for both the startups, but also us as funds, as we have to make sure that nobody runs out of money in the time that is basically now extra on top. And um, apart from that, it's a lot of networking that goes um, into fundraising. Um, I assume that's the same for startups and for VC managers. And uh, yeah, as I said, it's never easy, but it's still, um, it's still possible. That's also the good news um, that I would share from our experience. Yeah, I think that's good to hear for all out there who want to raise, um, also for startups, of course. And um, do you have any learnings which you made from the first period of fundraising now to, this, to the first closing? And is there anything you would do different or you would change and now coming to the second closing? That's a very good question. So on the one hand, what we definitely want to achieve is an even more international LP base. So what we have seen um, basically over the last months is that especially the network that uh, both of us have been building over the last years was also the network that enabled us to raise the fund, which um, already shows a lot about credibility and access. 
but um, to make sure that also in our limited partner group there is diversity um, in terms of gender, but also in terms of background, in terms of being international, we um, have to take the next step and have to raise the fund also to the next level in a sense that we uh, want to onboard um, a lot more international investors, also investors with different backgrounds, and that's going to be the big yeah, challenge or the big goal for uh, Lisa and me in the next months, the next year, probably even. And what's the role of the LPs in your fund? Are they involved or do you just need their money, basically? At the end of the day, it's a mixture out of both. To be very honest, yes, of course, uh, LPs invest because um, they are looking for financial instruments um, to make more money. And uh, that's fair. Um, that's what VC is um, about as it works nowadays. We have a very entrepreneurial group of LPs, which means they are super interested to also getting to know um, the startups that we invest in. So that's also going to be a goal of the fund to really create formats where um, those LPs who are interested can meet the startups and then also decide if they want to interact more with them, if they want to uh, mentor them, help them in hiring, maybe um, even become their customers, um, adding investments, etc. But the core um, vision of the fund is that um, the fund team is really the one uh, driving mm -hmm. um, the fund and the investments, but um, giving the opportunity um, to the more um, active investors that also have the resources time-wise to yeah engage with um, the portfolio um, and also the community that the fund is building. Yeah, I think we have seen a lot of more requests also from LPs to be active in the funds, to be active as deal flow partners or also share and discuss and invest together. Um, which I personally think it's a really good um, development. Of course, it's not for all LPs, but I think it also says that the asset, asset class is becoming more attractive, more people are interested in learning more and also exploring. And what's your view in general on the VC landscape in Europe right now? What do you think funds are, will do in the end of the year, how their portfolios will look like? Do you think they will need to devaluate some of their portfolio companies as we just have seen two really hyped years so everything you want to share? That's a very big question, of course. I mean, overall, when you look at Europe by now, luckily, there are so many different types of venture capital investors um, that it's very hard to basically make assumptions or statements about the whole group. Um, but what we can see and what has also been shown already in recent numbers is Yes, the investment activity is slowing down, really also across all phases, especially in the later stage phases. There has been a huge drop in Series C and Series D funding all over Europe, also throughout almost all the industries that you see, um, some of them being hit even more hard than others. And uh, what I see is that basically right now money is waiting at the bank because the VCs have been very successful in raising money. Um, so they actually have the capacity to do investments. But now everyone seems to be in kind of a waiting position. And um, what I still see is that many investors um, do um, investments into their portfolio, into their existing portfolio, because they want to make sure and have to make sure that especially the um, interesting startups or the, let's put it that way that right now um, economically successful startups also stay successful which of course puts a lot of pressure on those startups that are in a 
different position right now. What we will definitely see and are seeing already is, yes, unfortunately, there will be down rounds. There will also be startups that will not be able to raise at all in the next months. And um, yeah, unfortunately, that also means that the market expects that a few, maybe also more advanced and more famous or known startups might not make it or might have to scale back dramatically. And um, that's always tough to see. Um, both um, basically as a member of the community, but also as an investor for our fund as we are just starting to invest. Um, that's a different position. So that's nothing we have to worry about at the moment. But of course, the, um, the topic that um, we address um, very proactively at Fund F right now with the startups that we are talking to is how much money they need to raise in order to also get through a potentially longer time that might be very dry uh, in terms of investors that uh, also then might invest in our own portfolio in the future. So it's definitely something that everyone has to have on the top of their minds. And it's very different for every investor, depending on the region, on the industry and on the stage they are active in. Yeah, definitely. In last week's episode, we have also talked about that we need to make a lot of predictions that some predictions occur to be true. So what's your number one prediction for the year 2023? The number one prediction, that's hard. So I would actually want to make a positive statement as in that I hope, and I also think that's necessary, um, that the overall community, which also includes uh, politics, the established um, incumbents, um, but also potential employees or also new founders, that they still realize that technology can be a positive game changer and that we do not forget that. And that creating technology is very important for solving many of the world's biggest problems. And that also creating intellectual property in Europe is existential for us as a continent. And um, that's my most important message and my most important wish also. And yes, times like these also basically invite us to think about the things that are maybe not so great about the tech ecosystem or also about technology, because yes, it's not only great and a life changer, but it can also change lives to the worse. Um, but for everyone involved, really thinking about what they want to contribute and if this is something that actually contributes to um, relevant problems and solving them in their respective area. And if this is going to be the case, then it can be a positive thing for all of us that are involved. And uh, I hope we are taking that chance. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, we're dealing with fundamental problems also in Europe at the moment, and there is definitely need for technology and also for startups to find solutions, which are helping all of us. And this also creating great opportunities for investors, also when it comes to financial returns long term. Um, so we're going to see how the year 2023 turns out. Um, yeah, but community was a good buzzword um, as you're also um, involved in AFCO, which is the Austrian venture capital and private equity organization as a chairwoman. And you are also collaborating closely with the AIA, where I'm the managing director and we're also hosting the event together where also this podcast is related to, to also give our listeners an overview why we are sitting together right now. So what's your general perspective about the Austrian ecosystem and why are you also personally involved and want to um, create and do something good? I mean, you also spend a lot of time also on a voluntary basis in improving the ecosystem, similar as we do. Um, so we could go deeper into that. 
Yes, so there are a few reasons um, why I'm happy to be in that role and also why I decided to um, spend my uh, time on this topic. Because on the one hand, I see that, yes, um, in the last years, Austria really has been um, developing, growing, flourishing in many topics when it comes to especially early stage startups, but also finally being in a position where more and more of these startups uh, grow and become scale-ups and attract international capital. And um, all of that is very closely related to what both our organizations are doing and have been contributing to over the last years, even also before the two of us were in our roles and positions. So, for me, this is really coming from, on the one hand, a very personal interest, um, because I'm truly convinced that financing technology is relevant and is very important and is still a little bit overlooked in Austria. So while I'm convinced um, that we are doing very well already in terms of how we developed, um, I also see there is still a lot of potential and also looking at how the general public looks at startups and investing. And um, I want to contribute um, to making sure that the sector is flourishing and that the awareness um, of the positive impact um, of the community is really spread all across Austria or also across the borders. And uh, that's what's motivating me. Yeah, I think we in Austria have one of the strongest communities um, when it comes to working together, sticking together, also believing in each other. And there are so many also private initiatives, also other organizations. And I think yeah, the collaboration aspect is really unique. But at the same time, we would be like far ahead already if we would have more support from the government side. What's your like number one wish? <laughs> Honestly, my number one wish is that one of the many initiatives that have been started over the last years is actually realized and is actually becoming real. And um, the two of us know there have been a lot of suggestions, very specific ideas. There are um, concepts on the table where um, yeah, all the stakeholders that should be involved have looked at. And it's basically now the time to actually do them. Um, and that's my wish. Yeah, it would be definitely important to get forward, um, keep on doing what we're already in, also have more governmental support in being having re really bigger impact with the activities we're already doing, especially also with ARCO and AIA. And yes, Nina, it was really nice to have you at Mission Capital. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Dieser Podcast wird produziert von Stefan Tesch.